Good morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Brian. It's great to be here with you for the beginning of our new series on the prodigal. Um, How many of you have heard the story of the prodigal son? Raise your hand if you're familiar with that story. It's one of the most famous parables in the Bible. Uh, But as we start this four-week series, we're going to be learning There's just so much that I've personally learned in prepping this and studying this this parable that I didn't even realize. I think sometimes we can read, well, we always read the Bible through our own filters, right? We we read the Bible through our own Western filter, and there's a lot of stuff in the story of the prodigal son that when we understand it in the context of of a, a little bit more of a Middle Eastern filter, man, there's so much in there. There's so much in there that just really jumps out at us, and so I'm excited as every single lesson, as we've been prepping this whole series, every single lesson has just, it's just, I'm like, I can't wait to preach this one. I can't wait to share this one with Alpiners so that you can understand the richness of God's word and the message that Jesus is trying to get across to the people as he shares the story. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 15. This is where we see the story of the prodigal son. And here's where we're going in this series. We're, we're starting today with the, the prodigal himself, the son, the younger son. You'll see that here in a second. And believe it or not, even though this, this, this parable is named after him, the prodigal son story or the, lost, the story of the lost son, he's, he's actually the third most important person in the whole story. Because the story, if you read the first few verses of Luke 15, I'll read it to you. I won't put it on the screen yet, but let me just read it to you. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Okay, so that's on one side. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with, with such sinful people, even eating with them. So the, the, this whole story starts with this explanation of the context of who's listening to Jesus' story. Remember, when Jesus was out there teaching, people would come to hear his stories, and he was, all, he was the perfect preacher. He, had, he, had, he was able to see who was out there, and then he would fashion these stories to get across the point that he wanted them to hear. And so that's how Luke 15 starts. And then right after that, he tells one parable, He tells a parable of the lost sheep, the 99 and the 1. How many of you know that story? The story of the 99 and the 1. We'll get into that more later in the series. And then he tells another parable, even shorter parable, about a woman who loses one of her 10 coins and sweeps the whole house to find. How many of you know that parable, if you know that one? So some of you know these two parables. And those were the parables that sort of run up to this big parable in Luke 15, the the much larger parable that he tells the story of the lost of the lost son, of the prodigal son. But the whole context for this is this idea of on one side rule breakers, right? Because it says in verse one that, that tax collectors and notorious sinners, right? So this, these are like the, the lowest rung of society for the Jewish people, that they're listening. And then also, so there, you could see this group, there's There's this mixture of tax collectors and then Pharisees and teachers of the law. So on the one side, they had the rule breakers that were there that were attracted to Jesus' teachings and his miracles. And then on the other side, you had the rule keepers 
the Pharisees and, and the teachers of the religious law who were just trying, to, who were like taking notes and seeing how they could trap Jesus and seeing how they could get rid of him and quiet down his voice. So this is what you have here, and it was in the context of this that Jesus t- tells these three stories, the, the 99 and the 1, the woman who loses the coin, and then finally the big one, the prodigal son story. So that's the context for all of this. And, and the message throughout, every single week we're going to see this, the message throughout is that if you are far from God, no matter how far, there's still hope for you. And you might look at that graphic and you might say, whoa, 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 hang on a second. I am a rule keeper, and therefore I am not far from God. But I want you to know that that statement applies to everyone on the spectrum. Because how many of you know that rule keepers can be as far from God as rule breakers? In fact, we're going to talk about that in week three of the series. So if you're a rule keeper, make sure to come back from week three. Or if you know a rule keeper, make sure to invite them to come back. Because Jesus' context for telling this whole story, he was Spoiler alert. There's going to be a lot of spoiler alerts. There's going to be a lot of surprises throughout this series. He's actually telling this story not for the prodigal sons. He's telling the story for the rule keepers. That's who he's telling these parables for. Those are the ones he's really trying to get across this message of what is God really like? What does God really care about? What's his attitude like toward people? Because the rule keepers in Jesus' day, the Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law, the rule keepers had completely missed the point about how God felt toward people. They completely missed the point, and that's who Jesus is talking to. In fact, there's more dedicated to the older son. There's more, there's more, there are more verses that are dedicated to the older son in the story, which we're going to look at in week three, than to the younger son, which we're going to look at today. And so there's so much in here today, but I thought it'd be a good thing to start by just asking you, how many of you are more on the rule keeper end of the spectrum? Let's just see by a show of hands. How many of you are more of a rule keeper than than a rule breaker? It's a little bit hard, but I see some hands going, thank you. Thank you for your honesty, rule keepers. Fewer than I expected. I'm not even going to ask the rule breakers to raise your hands, because you wouldn't do it anyway. So we're just going to assume the rest of you are more on the rule breaker end of the spectrum, and that's good, because today's message is for you. Let's get into the story. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 and 12. To illustrate the point further, the point that God cares about the lost, that's the point, the point that he cares about the lost, that he has a tender heart toward the lost, that he would go out searching for the one lost sheep and leave the 99 rule keepers in the pen. To illustrate that point further, Jesus told them a third story in Luke 15. Here's how it starts. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, we just got to stop. We're going to be doing this all series long. We got to just stop and read you into the context, read you into the culture here, because this is actually already, right now, there's so much to unpack 
in this passage. Again, for many of us, we just read right past it. We're like, okay, cool, and we go to the next verse. But we need to stop here and make sure that you understand. There's two sons. The young son is, what he's doing right here is, it's hard to explain how dishonoring this is to his father. Now, according to Deuteronomy chapter 21, the Old Testament law, Deuteronomy says, and specifically it says if a man has two sons, it says that the older son gets two-thirds of the estate and the younger son gets one-third of the estate. And I'm sure, write it down if you want to look later, but Deuteronomy 21, I'm sure that the teachers of the religious law had Deuteronomy 21 in mind. They knew the law. They knew the rules. So here we have two sons that are probably already thinking about, okay, we get it. The younger son gets a third of the estate, and the older son gets two-thirds of the estate. But the, the, the big shocker here is that the son is asking for it before his father's even dead. Now, a father can assign the inheritance before his death, for sure. But the fact that he does is shocking to the people. It's, it's tantamount to the younger son. It's tantamount to the younger son saying, you're as good as dead to me, dad. I want the money now. Now, the other day, my dad and I actually had a conversation about inheritance. And uh, he shared with me about what we would all get, all of his kids would get if he were to die right away. And, I, and I'll tell you right now, my first, my first reaction was, wow, it'd be nice to have that money. But my, right away, my second reaction was, I would rather have my dad. That's what a rule keeper would say, right? I'm a rule keeper like some of you. I'm a little bit more of a rule keeper. Like, I love my dad. I, I want relationship with my dad. It's, it's a little bit shocking to think about the person who says, I don't really care about you, dad. I don't really care about your, my relationship with you. I'd rather you just move on, get out of the way, and now I just want your stuff. So here the, here the rule keepers are listening to this story, and they're shocked. They're like, I can't, I can't believe it. So this father divides the wealth between the two. The, the rule keepers are saying, this is shameful to do this. And I think then the Pharisees and teachers of the law probably think about Deuteronomy 21. So let's read this to you from the Old Testament. This is what, according to the letter of the law, this is what should have happened to the younger son. Suppose a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or mother, even though they discipline him. In such a case, the father and mother must take the son to the elders as they hold court at the town gate. And the parents must say to the elders, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious and refuses to obey. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And then all the men of his town must stone him to death. I know that's a little shocking. Some of us read that, you're like, whoa, hey, that seems like maybe a bridge too far to do something like, okay, we get it, but really, is that God's heart toward rebellious people? Is that God's heart toward sinners? Because this is exactly how the Pharisees and teachers of the law taught it to the people in that day. They said, this is the kind of stuff that really describes God's heart toward people. In fact, isn't it interesting? I think this might be the first time in Scripture where those words are there, he is a glutton and drunkard. Does that sound familiar? Those of you who know the New Testament understand that this is exactly what the rule keepers accused Jesus of being 
a glutton and a drunkard, and hanging out with gluttons and drunkards. And so you can see where their attitude is coming from. Their attitude is coming from the letter of the law. Rule keepers are letter of the law kinds of people. But yet when we read this story and we go on, we're going to be shocked at what happens and what Jesus reveals. In fact, today what we're going to do is we're going to give you three lessons for rule breakers. So if you're a rule breaker, all you people who didn't raise your hands, these are lessons for you so that you can understand some truth about your relationship with God. And it all comes from the story as we tell it today. The first one is kind of obvious. The farther you wander, the further you'll be. Some of you are like, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> my, my sister, years ago, she, she went on a retreat, uh, a youth retreat. She was a youth leader, and she, she had some students in her car, and we live, we're, we're from Chicagoland, so she was going from the western suburbs of Chicago, she was going up to Wisconsin. That's what we do. We go to Wisconsin to get away from Illinois. That's what, that's what we people do. Now, some of you guys, I know for, for you guys, it's either you go south to Nevada, or you go north to Idaho, but for, for people from Chicagoland, we would just, we all went up to Wisconsin to get away. So she gets these kids in her car, and she starts driving on the tri-state, and she gets to this point where, where she divides off, and she ends up going east instead of west, northeast instead of northwest. See, the, the lake is, Lake Michigan's up here, in Illinois is right here. When you go this way, you got to make a decision. You can either go to the right of the lake, and it's a, it's a big lake, by the way. It's, it's a great lake. It's not a little lake. You can't drive around the lake. You can go right of the lake, or you can go left. If you go left, you go up into Wisconsin. If you go right, you go up into Michigan, which is a different state. <laughs> Some of you look really confused. I just want to make sure that you understand. So Katie gets, gets like two and a half hours into this trip, She's like, I should be at the place by now. And so she calls one of the other leaders, and she's like, I, did I miss a turn? Why am I not there? And the other guy says, hey, well, just tell me where you are. And she's like, well, I'll, I'll read the next sign. And so she reads the next sign. He's like, what state are you in? <laughs> and she had, didn't even think to, answer, to ask that question. She had gone right instead of left. She was in a completely different state. Because... The farther you wander, the further you'll be. She ended up being further away from where she was supposed to be than when she started. And this is exactly what happened to the prodigal son. It says a few days later, after the son takes his inheritance, it says a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. That's all Jesus says. He just moved to a distant land. Some of you today may be listening online, or some of you maybe even here. Some of you might feel that exact way. You feel like you're in a distant land. You feel like you've wandered so far, and you wonder how you'll ever get home. You wonder whether God would even take you back. It says there that he wasted all his money in wild living. So in other words, now we know that he cashed out, he, he cashed out this one-third of the inheritance, which again was an offense to the father, because even though the father gave him the inheritance, technically the father still had a right to all the proceeds of the inheritance, but now he doesn't because the younger son wastes it all in wild living. It says about that time his money ran out, and a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. 
So here this guy is, here this younger son is, and again, this portion of the story is really short. There's just a few more verses, and that's kind of the end of the story of the prodigal son. And isn't that kind of true, how, how quickly, how quickly rule breakers can squander stuff? How, it's shocking how fast you can go from living, living in the lap of luxury with your father to feeling so far away and like you've just absolutely blown it. It's, it's really interesting how, how quickly Jesus tells this part of the story. And if you've ever known a, a prodigal, you, you understand it can happen fast. It can happen fast. And that's what happened in the story. So it says he persuaded a local farmer to hire him. And the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. So here's the stark contrast. Just a few verses earlier, his father gave him everything, and now four verses later, no one gave him anything. This is what happens to rule breakers. This is what happens to prodigals. Your bad decisions can quickly bring you to the place that for a Jewish person is literally the bottom of the barrel. It is pigs, pigs were filthy, in case you're a pig lover, pigs to Jewish people were filthy animals. Pigs were unclean animals. You didn't eat pigs. You didn't have pigs as a pet. You certainly didn't share table fellowship with a pig. Table fellowship was something back then that was a big deal. Jewish people weren't even supposed to eat with Gentiles, non-Jews. For sure, they weren't supposed to eat with pigs. I mean, I just want to make sure that you understand this is, again, something that to us, it's like there's just turn after turn in the story. It's just almost unbelievable what's happening. And this is, it's, it's, uh, it's hyperbole is what's going on, but we don't always see it because we're not Jewish. We don't understand the incredible hyperbole here is here this Jewish kid is now eating with the pigs. And I love how the Bible background commentary explains it. At this point, many of Jesus' hearers may be ready for the story to end, like a similar second century Jewish story and a kind of moral lesson that they might tell their children. Kids, don't be a rule breaker. This is what'll happen. You end up eating with pigs. The son gets what he deserves. He's reduced to the horrendous level of feeding the most unclean of animals. This is what the rule keepers expected. They expected the story to end here, but we're not even close to done. We've got three more weeks on this. Because God is not how you expect him to be. If you're a rule breaker, if you feel so far from God, I want you to know something. It's not too late. That's the second lesson. It's not too late to turn back. But here's probably the most important statement in this whole series. It's not too late to turn back if, there's a big if here, if you're willing to repent. This is what happens in the story, sorry. When he finally came to his senses, I've underlined that because I wanna make sure you understand the, what the word that that's referring to. That's referring to the prodigal son repenting, coming to his senses. He has finally hit the bottom of the barrel and he comes to his senses. And he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'm gonna go home. I'm going to say to my father, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, 
and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Repentance, it's a, it's a fancy spiritual word, but it just simply means to have a change of mind. Like in your head, you're like, I'm gonna do something different now. And, and the second part of that is it, it, comes, it goes along with having a change of heart. A heart attitude that says, I feel so terrible for what I did to my dad. It's not, it's not worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow says, I feel so terrible that I got caught. Worldly sorrow says, I feel so bad that I've got to eat with pigs. No, godly sorrow says, I've sinned against my father. I've sinned against heaven. This is what he says. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. When you have godly sorrow, when you get to this place where you, where you really come to your senses, when you really repent, when you get to that place, it's accompanied by this sense that A, I've, hit, I've hurt other people, but B, I've also actually offended the God of the universe. And this is what the younger son does. He comes to his senses and he recognizes it. Notice, he says, I'm gonna go to my father and say, I've sinned against heaven and you, I am no longer worthy of being called your son. He wasn't gonna go home and try this kind of apology. Some of you might do this. I am so sorry, dad, that you got offended. That is not an apology. I am so sorry that you were offended when I cashed out my inheritance. That's not an apology. Next time somebody says, says it like that, you just need to say, you can try again. Go ahead, try again. I want you to really apologize this time. I'm so sorry your feelings got hurt. This isn't about me. This is about what you did. Why don't you take ownership? And look, the son is willing to take ownership. If you're a prodigal today, I want you to hear this. It's so simple, such a simple message. It is, not, it is never too late to turn back to God, but it requires genuine repentance. It requires for you to say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And then, the last lesson is that you can never out God's forgiveness. Now, we're going to just briefly take a look at this, but next week, we're going to really dive into the father and his whole response. It says that he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming and filled, look at, look at the father's response, filled with love and compassion he ran to his son, he embraced him, he kissed him, and he said to him, the son, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. And the father takes him back. And this would be yet another shocker to the crowd. Because 2,000 years ago, they had no idea that this was God's heart toward rule breakers. They had no idea. They thought that God, they thought that the Father would reprimand. They thought the Father would discipline. They thought the Father would shun, and he does none of this. The Father responds with joy and receives him back. The dictionary definition for prodigal, maybe you didn't know this, is spending money or resources freely and recklessly. Prodigal means wastefully extravagant. Now, we call this story, I grew up in church 
calling this story the prodigal son story. And certainly the son was prodigal. Certainly the son was wastefully extravagant. We saw that. But what we're going to learn next week is that actually the father is even more prodigal. The father is the one who's reckless. The father is the one who's extravagant with his son. Again, the rule, the rule keepers are thinking, why would the father do that? Why would the father let his son dishonor him like that? Why would the father allow his son to take the inheritance early? The rule, the rule keepers really are struggling with this part of the story, but I want you to understand, maybe you are too, I want you to understand that God the father is extravagant toward you. That's how he views you. If you are a rule breaker, if you are someone here today, maybe you're sitting here today, someone invited you today, or maybe you're listening online or, or you're listening to the podcast, somebody shared this with you, I want you to understand what God's heart is for you. God's heart is to receive you back. God's heart is to forgive you. God's heart is to embrace you. God's heart is to be extravagant with you, even though you've blown it. That's the heart of God. That's always been the heart of God. And that's why Jesus tells this story. And I want you to know the only thing required of you, if this is you, if you're a prodigal, if you're that rule breaker, the only thing required of you is that you turn back. The only thing required of you is that you come to your senses. God did all the rest of it. The Bible says that God the Father sent his son into the world to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins. And the Bible says that when we respond to him in faith, when we say, I recognize that you died for me. I recognize that you went to the cross for me. The Bible says that when we respond like that to him, that he receives us like we see in the story, that he receives us back. And the only thing required of us, I want you to hear this, the only thing is repentance. The only thing is coming to our senses and saying, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. Would you take me back? And the Bible says, it promises that he will because he is near to the brokenhearted, and because sinners are welcome in the kingdom of God. And it's a good thing, because we're all sinners, whether you're a rule breaker or you're a rule keeper. And so I want to close today just by inviting you, if you're here today, or if you're listening online, and you're, you're, you're saying, that's me, that describes me, I feel so far from God, I've wandered from God, and I've wondered if he'd ever take me back. I, want, I hope you've learned today that he will, he wants to take you back. And if, you, if you're willing today to turn back to him to repent, I want to invite you today just to pray a prayer along with me. Would you all bow with me today? And, and at home, if you would bow with me as well. And if that's you today, just in your own heart, I want you to pray a prayer similar to this. Father, I have sinned against you. And I've sinned against people. And today I want to turn back to you. I've come to my senses and I recognize that I have dishonored you and I've offended you. And I want to say I'm sorry. Thank you for sending Jesus to the cross to pay for my sins. And I receive your forgiveness today. In Jesus' name, amen.